Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with sidekick, Sidekick, yes, sir. Thank you. Present. Keep kicking to the side. Keep sidekick. kicking to the side. Don't take any direct. But shots I'm glad at you're here. Host. That's exactly right. Never kick the host. That's exactly. Well, right. we got this booth. You know, it's kind of round, and you can actually kick me. And so I'm glad you don't. And every I, once in a while, you do right. when I say the wrong things, and I appreciate that part. That's you know, just right. to save me from so I got idiocy. Your back. I got yeah, your back. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to talk about something that is an important thing to talk about today. It's always important here. Well, we do say that. Uh, that it is always important, but this but one's this really, is important. really important. This is we're talking about the Blessed Virgin Mary, and it's always when we you're talk right. about our Blessed Mother. When you're that talking about important. Mama, you it's be important. Careful. That's exactly right. Just watch what we say about it better Mama. Better be good. So we're going to talk about Mary's perpetual virginity, and we're okay. going to do that because I recently was watching television, and in this program, you know, I love these very informative programs that mm-hmm. tell me all the stuff I didn't know mm-hmm. and probably shouldn't know. Mm-hmm. When you watch the History Channel and some of these other places, not to say evil things and bad things about History Channel, but there's a lot of channels out there that have a very uh, skewed position about, well, let's say a non-Catholic position on a lot of theological issues. Yep. And so they were talking about Mary mm-hmm. and the virgin birth, mm-hmm. but then they proceeded to start talking about the brothers and sisters of Jesus, that at, at some point mm-hmm. Mary had relations with Joseph, mm-hmm. and then they brought forth children right. besides Jesus. So yeah. Jesus was like the older brother, and then all these younger brothers and sisters apparently came along. You know, And there are a lot of, I'll say there's not a small number of Catholics who actually are thinking, you know, what's the big deal? Right. You know, I understand why maybe God wanted to have a virgin birth of Jesus. But then afterwards, well, whatever. You know, what's the difference? I mean, Mary's done at that point, right? She's yeah. she's not um, important other than being a good mama to Jesus and his brothers and sisters. Right. Now, the problem with that is the Catholic Church, this is one of the dogmas of the Church. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be clear that the virgin birth and Mary's perpetual virginity, meaning she was a virgin before her birth, mm-hmm. right? Before the birth of Jesus, rather, before giving birth. And remained so. And remained so her entire life. Mm-hmm. That she did not have relations with a man her entire life. Mm-hmm. This is a dogma of the church, the perpetual virginity. This is not like one of the things that we have a choice in. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that a lot of times we'll have moments of doubt. Mm-hmm. We may not fully understand a mystery. And then it's a good thing, I think, for us to ponder that, to contemplate, to meditate upon it. To read scripture, mm-hmm. to pray about it, and and really pray to God to give us, you know, to to, to give us the will, mm-hmm. give us His will, mm-hmm. really in accepting the teachings of the church because it's 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 sometimes difficult. But yep. if we are at least open to embracing the teachings of the church, that's a good thing. It's a good start, even yes. if you're having, and it's human to have doubts, right? Because your uh, non-theological side. Mm-hmm. Right, your non-holy side every once in a while is going to say, "Hey, wait a second. Right, that's not really possible, is it? Right, and yet um, we do have the spiritual side that says, "Yes, absolutely, it is." It is. And you know, uh, and what would faith be if we knew all the answers? Right. There would be no need for faith. We wouldn't have to believe anymore because it's there, it'd be there, right? Yep. So, 
That being said, we do need to talk about this idea of the perpetual virgin Mm -hmm. and what that means. Right. Because a lot of people are confused by that. Mm -hmm. You know, they they like to drop the word perpetual out and just say Mary was a virgin, Mm -hmm. you know, as she, you know, gave birth to Jesus. Right. But it's always been the teaching of the church. In fact, if you listen to some of the early church fathers, let's look at St. Augustine of Hippo. In around 400 A.D., he said in, in one of his sermons, he said, A virgin conceiving, a virgin bearing, a virgin pregnant, a virgin bringing forth, a virgin perpetual. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, was, this is what the church has always taught. Not some new invention. That's right. It's not like a brand new thing like, hey, uh, when did you all decide this was going to be the case? Right. And the church has always said this. And we read in the Catechism of the Catholic Church that we read in, in paragraph number 499, the deepening of faith in the virginal motherhood led the church to confess Mary's real and perpetual virginity, even in the act of giving birth to the Son of God made man. In fact, Christ's birth did not diminish his mother's virginal integrity, but sanctified it. Mm-hmm. And so the liturgy of the church celebrates Mary as the ever-virgin you know, and that's an important thing to to note, because a lot of people think, well, what's the big deal about Mary being ever virgin, mm-hmm. right? And and the whole concept of the virgin birth, does that mean that you know? It, well, I love where it says it didn't diminish her. Christ's birth did not diminish Mary's virginal integrity right. by taking her virginity away from her. In fact, it sanctified it, mm-hmm. which is basically ratifying, holding up glorifying, you know, and saying this is something that's good and it's made holy. Her virginity is made holy. Right. Right. So it's important for us to understand that it, Christ's birth did not end her virginity. Right. And the early church has always taught this, as I read from St. Augustine. St. Jerome also believed it. And there were several other uh, church fathers that, that speak of this. And we'll read some of those in just a moment. But I do want to point out a couple of things because there's a lot of times people will read some verses in Scripture. Talking and about brothers and yeah, sisters. Yeah, sure. exactly. And they will sit there and say, well, this proves the Catholic position is wrong. And for the Catholic who doesn't know a lot about their Scriptures. It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. You kind of sit and go, well, it says it right there. It says brothers and sisters. So I yeah. guess I'm going to have to go with this and say, well, you know, the Catholic Church could be wrong on this. Mm-hmm. But I want to reiterate as we've said before in this program, if the Catholic Church is wrong about a dogma that has been solemnly promulgated, professed, lived, believed by the Church from time immemorial, mm-hmm. <laughs> then the Catholic Church could be wrong about anything. Right. If you tear down this dogma, which dogma is next? The yeah. true presence of Christ in the Eucharist? Right? Could it be that? Right. Big so, stuff. yeah, Christ, uh, our salvation purchased by Christ's death on the cross— Right. It's dogma. Yeah. Well, but if we're wrong about this Mary thing, we could also be wrong about that. Yeah. So it's very important for us as Catholics to understand that we don't want to start, you know, those that, that what's that little towering blocks game like Jenga or something? Right. You start pulling out some of these blocks. Yeah. And you have to be the careful. Whole thing crumbles. You, yeah, you start pulling too many blocks out. Slope. Yeah. And sometimes you'll pull that one block out and boom, the whole thing comes down. Yep. And so it's important for us to understand we can't do that. Right. So as Catholics we have to start to embrace this. But I do want to visit some of these scriptures, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about this and try to figure out 
what are we what are we supposed to take away from this? Let's look first at the gospel, um, Matthew's gospel, chapter thirteen, verse fifty-five and verse uh, fifty-six, where we read about Jesus's so-called siblings. Mm-hmm. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Mm-hmm. We read that, and it's like, wait a second, that's a big family. Yeah, Mary had lots of kids, <laughs> right? And then also uh, in St. Paul's letter to the Galatians in the first chapter, verses 18, 19, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Mm-hmm. So then we hear about James again and being the Lord's brother. Mm-hmm. So obviously Catholics are wrong and Mary gave birth to other children. Now, that's what some people might say. Right. Well, it, it, there are a couple of ways we can look at this. Okay. First... There's one way to look at it in that we can we can garner from Scripture that, that Joseph is fairly silent after Jesus is 12. Mm-hmm. We read about this account of Jesus being lost and found in the temple in, in the second chapter of Luke, mm-hmm. right? When Jesus is 12 years old, you know, I, I needed to be in my father's house. You know, why would you worry about me? Here I am, right? But Jesus, Jesus' mother and father are there in the search. Mm-hmm. And... We don't ever hear about Joseph after that. Right. So we don't know if right. Joseph was a lot. A lot of people think it's because Joseph was an older man. Right. And that uh, perhaps the Catholic Church would see that perhaps Joseph actually had children from a previous marriage. Right. Mama died. Right. Joseph took Mary as his, uh, as his spouse. Right. Right. And they did not have relations. But then Mary would have stepchildren. Mm-hmm. And so this is a way that it's good for a Catholic can believe this right. and believe this is the case. Mm-hmm. Another thing that a Catholic can believe mm-hmm. is it's possible that when we're talking about brothers and sisters, we're actually talking about cousins oh, yeah. here. And, and, and I always say, oh, yeah, but a lot of people say, no, 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 because the Greek word is Adelphus, which means blood brothers. Right. But you have to go further than Greek. And I think that's where you're going. Yeah. If you go way back and right. you, you go back to the let's go. Let's go. I love pulling out the King James Version. Every mm-hmm. once in a while I do that. But we read in, in, in the book of Genesis, mm-hmm. uh, this would be chapter 14, verse 16, we're talking about Abram and Lot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the King James Version says that Abram and Lot were brothers. It says, and he brought back all the goods and also brought back, brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the woman, women also and the people. So Abram brought again his brother Lot, calls mm-hmm. Abram's brother Lot. Mm-hmm. And yet, when we read in uh, earlier in Genesis, chapter 11, verse 27, we find, now these are the descendants of Terah. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. Right. So we find out they're actually cousins. Right. So scripture calls Abram and Lot cousins, and yet they're actually brothers. I'm sorry. No, you got that reversed. Is that backwards? Right. It's easily confused. It right? is. Scripture called Abram and Lot brothers, and they're actually cousins. Right. Yeah, so now we got that straight. So here we have an opportunity for people to look at these other folks and realize these could actually be cousins of Jesus. Right. Right? And so if that's the case, well, then we're still good because Mary, either as a Catholic, you can believe, believe either one, right. that, that, that these were stepbrothers and sisters or that these were cousins of Jesus. Right. Because the Catholic Church is okay with that, because in both of those it maintains the virginity of Mary, right? Before, during, and after, right? Right, and so that's an important distinction, and 
for people that kind of fall, you know, into a trap and start going, well, just at first sight, you'd think where it says brothers and sisters of Jesus, that mm-hmm. naturally that means that Mary had other children, and it doesn't. Yeah, but also if you go back, I think in the Aramaic, I don't think there is a word for brother. Well, or in cousin. Jewish in Jewish culture, okay. then there were there was a, not a, always a distinction between. They were frequently right. referred to as cousins, as brothers, right, 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 as the brethren. The brethren of the Lord were were indeed cousins. So, so you're right. It's just right. the, the 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 important thing here is that we realize that Mary had no more children. Right. And there's absolutely. a possible way you can explain that so that she didn't. In fact, yeah, Scripture also says if you look um, you look to uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, is not this the carpenter, the son, the son of Mary? It doesn't say a son of Mary. Because if point. Jesus, right, if Jesus had others, wouldn't it be a son of Mary? Right. One, one of those boys. Right. This one of Mary's boys. And then we also find out that there were different women at the... At, at the um, at, at the crucifixion at the foot of the cross, in Matthew chapter 27, there were also many women there looking on from afar who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. But if we read a parallel verse in chapter uh, 19 of John, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister and Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. So now we find out that James and John were the James and Joseph were the sons of Clopas, Mary right. the mother of Clopas. Right. Not that same Mary. Right. Because so they, Matthew they be refers to her as the other Mary. Right. Distinguishes. Right. That this the other Mary is the one that had these sons. And so we can see that there are lots of possibilities and there were a lot of Marys back then. Yeah. But it's important for us to you know to back up from all this and start going, well, is there anything that just absolutely says it. Yeah, the Catholic Church says it. Yeah. The Catholic Church says that she was a virgin before, during, and after. And that's an important, important thing for us as Catholics to understand and to have to wrap ourselves around. In fact, I'll tell you what, when we come back after this break, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about this. Why do we have to believe this? Why is it important yep. for us to believe this is something that's true? We're going to do that when we get back. Before we do that, Want to remind everyone have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And also, I would love to hear from you, right? I want you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. In 1904, a humble religious brother named Blessed André Bassett began building a shrine in honor of St. Joseph in Montreal, Canada. Brother André was born into a family of ten children. He said his great devotion to St. Joseph came from the example of his father and the teaching of his mother. His father was a lumberjack who died in a tragic accident when André was only nine. His mother died three years later of tuberculosis, which left all ten children as orphans. When André was only 12 years old, he was forced to leave school and travel in order to find work. He wandered from job to job and eventually ended up in the United States as a textile worker. He was a diligent worker and excelled at his trade, even though he was in poor health. In 1870, he returned to Canada and applied to enter the Congregation of the Holy Cross in Montreal. 
With some reluctance, the superiors of the order agreed to accept him and assigned him the menial tasks in the community. Just as St. Joseph said yes to God's call and obediently consented to Christ's mission of salvation, Blessed Andre carried out his duties with a spirit of obedience and joy, even though they were the most humbling and tedious of tasks. His superiors kept a close eye on him, wondering if they had made a mistake in accepting him to the order. Brother Andre said, When I entered the community, my superior showed me the door, and I remained there for forty years without leaving. Blessed Andre began to greet the physically and emotionally troubled who came to visit his community. For nearly 25 years, he received visitors for six to eight hours a day. His reputation for healings and cures became widespread. He did not like being known as a miracle worker. He once said, People are silly to think that I can perform miracles. It is God and St. Joseph who can heal you, not I. In today's modern culture, St. Joseph stands as a model for all Christian fathers. He emulates what it means to protect, provide, and nurture a Christian family. Knowing this, Brother Andre said, When you invoke St. Joseph, you don't have to speak much. You know your Father in Heaven knows what you need. Well, so does his friend St. Joseph. Today, the shrine to St. Joseph, built by Brother Andre, is now a magnificent basilica that thousands of pilgrims visit each year. They come seeking the same healing and renewal thousands receive from Blessed Andre during his life. I'm Bess Drozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and we are still talking about Mary's perpetual virginity. And I know I told you we're going to talk about why we as Catholics really need to understand this is important. It is. Other than the fact that Mama said so, other than the Mother Church, right? The Church said so. That's enough for me to sort of embrace it. But I really like to know more and to dig deeper into that mystery. And there's a really good reason why we'd want to believe this and why it's good for us and healthy for us as Catholics to believe this. Okay. Before we do that, I want to talk about one more verse All right. that a lot of people will kind of hold up there and say, see, Mary had other children. Right. And this is the verse. It's from the Gospel of Matthew, the mm-hmm. first chapter. It says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had born a son, and he called his name Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, if I were to say... It's a big word, until. Yeah, they say that word, until, and people suddenly think, yep. naturally, what that means. You can infer from that that he knew her. And, of right. course, we're, not, we're talking about the, the biblical, biblical sense, right. Right? right? He knew her after she had born a son because it says he knew her not until she had born a son. Right. Now, does that mean that? And the thing is, actually, it could mean that, but you'd have to have someone confirm that. And Scripture never says that. Right. Technically, all until means is from this point to this point, he knew her not. It doesn't even speak about the point afterwards. A lot of people say, well, that's lame. You know, that's a way of the Catholic tap dancing right there. You're trying yeah. to cover up for what obviously says that we could reasonably assume that, that right. he had relations with her after she had born a son. Now, if we, but if we go with that theory that until means that, let's look at a couple other scriptures. We're going to put that same logic there. Matthew chapter 28, mm-hmm. right? This is verses 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always until the close of the age. So that means by the logic that we just tried to employ on that first verse in the, in the first chapter that says he knew her not until, if we use until there and we understand the until the same way, that means he is not going to be with us after the close of the age. Right. Right. So when, when we're in heaven, right. judgment has taken place. He's not with us anymore. Where's yeah. Jesus? He, he said he's only going to be here up until this point, And then afterwards, he's gone. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. Jesus will be with us always, even beyond the close of the age. Right. right? Here's another great one. So we'll look at one of my favorite ones. We're going to go to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Right. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 23. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. Okay, so, wow, another miracle birth, yeah. right? Another miracle birth, and that is a child is born to a, a dead, dead woman, woman. Yeah. right? Well, this is not what that scripture means. No. So if you look at the word until to mean that the opposite happened after that point in time, that's not true. That's not what scripture tells us. Right. Jesus will certainly be with us all forever. Exactly. Right? And Michal didn't have any children. Right. Right? That's, that's important for us to understand. And so it's important that we we realize this, in the, this this vision that the church has for this ever inviolate virgin before, during, and after Mary. So now there's another interesting thing that I want to point out here. I know we read some of our early church fathers, and right. we we heard from them, but I do want to read some other folks from way back when, okay, several hundred years ago. Here's one. See if you recognize who this is. Uh, he said this. Christ was the only son of Mary, and the virgin bore no more children besides him. I'm inclined to agree with those who declare brothers really means cousins here, and holy writ, meaning scripture, Mm -hmm. and the Jews have always called cousins brothers. This is uh, a sermon, and this came to us uh, right around in the middle of the, uh, the, the Reformation. Right. This is wow. that was Martin Luther speaking. Really? So Martin Luther said this. Martin Luther also said Christ, our savior, was the real and natural fruit of Mary's virginal womb. This was without the cooperation of a man. And she remained a virgin after that. Now, this is very How interesting that? that a lot of people might, especially some Protestants, might object to the concept of Mary's perpetual virginity. Right. right. And yet the person that started the Reformation is saying that it's correct. Yeah. In fact, he, he believes that. Right. Uh, it's not just him. There's also John Calvin. We've all heard of John Calvin. And John Calvin said, uh, and besides this, our Lord Jesus Christ is called the firstborn. This is not because there was a second or a third, but because the gospel writer is paying regard to precedence. Scripture re- speaks thus of naming the firstborn, whether or not there was any question of a second. Wow, and the scripture that's awesome stuff. he's talking about is, if we look at, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people look at that and say, well, see, that means there was a secondborn. Right. Or a thirdborn. Right. But again, we've already pointed out what happens when you unfortunately look at Scripture in a way that it's not meant to be looked at. Yeah. Like with the word until. Let's look at yeah, what happens. Flipped, side, flipped upside down. Yeah, you, you use that same logic if you go to uh, St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Does that mean there's a secondborn and right. a thirdborn of right. all creation? Right. No, it doesn't mean that. Yeah. And so John Calvin is ratifying that. But again, here we have a reformer mm-hmm. teaching us that the the perpetual virginity of Mary was an important doctrine and was not to be toyed with. Big stuff. And then there's uh, in, in Switzerland, the, re, the key reformer there was Ulrich Zwingli. I love saying that. It's tough to say. Well, Ulrich... Um, 
he and, and Martin Luther didn't get along a lot, mm-hmm. but he was the, a big starter of the Refor- uh, Reformation in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And he said in 1560 A.D., he said, I believe firmly, or I firmly believe that Mary, according to the words of the gospel, as a pure virgin brought forth for us the Son of God and in childbirth and after childbirth forever remained a pure, intact virgin. Wow. So That's here, cool. here th- and again, I, I have to reiterate here that when someone is saying that I don't believe this to be true, and I think you Catholics just made this up, yeah. you, it, it, not that we want to argue this point, right? but we do want to let folks know that, well, if you're disagreeing with this, then maybe you should look at what the people that you do agree with say yes. about this yep. and realize that this is, is a tremendously important uh, doctrine right. that we would teach. Yep. And so all the things that we've seen, we've seen uh, obviously this idea of uh, this until he knew or not until, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that Jesus' brothers and sisters, and I think we've talked about all those things and hopefully shown enough scriptures that we would understand, and then also adding in this firstborn, right. not necessarily meaning there was a second or a thirdborn, but right. it was a legal state of identity of the importance of that person, yeah. right? The one that... That opened the wound, that womb, that's the one we look at. We see here the importance of Mary's perpetual virginity. And so let's get to that point. Why do we as Catholics need to believe? What's in it for me? Yep. Why is this important to me? Why is it so bad for me to think that she had other children? Mm -hmm. And here's here's why. Because we see in, uh, we'll go to the catechism again. The catechism is actually quoting here from Lumen Gentium, one of the great documents of Vatican II. At once virgin and mother, Mary is the symbol and the most perfect realization of the church. The church, indeed, by receiving the word of God in faith, becomes herself a mother. By preaching and baptism, she brings forth sons who are conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of God to a new and immortal life. She herself is a virgin who keeps in its entirety and purity the faith she pledged to her spouse. Mm-hmm. Right? The church's spouse is Jesus Christ. And so here the church is telling us that we see in Mary, Mary's a type for the church. Mm-hmm. And so if we ever think that Mary then was violated, right, if she was no longer a virgin, then the church that we're in being typified by Mary, right, then we would have think bad things about our church. Right. Right, the church wouldn't be that pure and holy, spotless virgin right. that Scripture refers to. That Saint Paul calls our church when we're talking in Ephesians, when his letter to the Ephesians in the fifth chapter. Right, and so it's important for us as Catholics to realize that Mary ever and Violet is this vision, this oh. image of the church right. in which we live, where we are sons, where we're brought forth and born to a mortal life. So, such a beautiful gift we have. And as Catholics, our embracing this perpetual virginity of Mary is something that will yield great and beautiful graces in our lives oh, yeah. if only we open our hearts to this, right? You're right. You're right. Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Blessed Virgin Mary, exemplar of purity, faithfulness, and grace. Help us to see in her perpetual virginity the sign of perpetual holiness and truth in your church on earth. We ask this through Christ our Lord, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.